0: Honored to be with you. What's so wonderful about being with this group is that you are a group of people who are open, open to new things. And so I thought we would start with a poem that's been attributed to Rumi. So if you would just close your eyes or sort of go back to that meditation space as I read this. Come, come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving, it doesn't matter. Ours is not a caravan of despair. Come, even if you have broken your vow a thousand times. Come, yet again. Come. Come. I will be sharing a few poems with you this morning, but I'd like you not to think of them so much about being poems, but about advice about the spirituality of writing poems. So, I do a lot of journaling as my prayer, but to write a poem is to do something very different. And I don't know what your experiences are with poetry, but I'd like to tell you about mine. Back in my first semester at the Washington Theological Union, they offered a workshop, a four week workshop on writing poems. And so I decided I would try this. I, throughout my seminary time, tried new spiritual disciplines. And so the first day, the professor go, you know, asks us each to introduce ourselves. And um, so Dan says, he says, well, I'm not a poet. I was a humanity major. But when I lived with the Catholic Worker Movement, they did publish some of my poems in their national newspaper. And then Catherine said, I'm not a poet. I was an English major at Marquette and I took a couple classes on poetry. I've written some sonnets, but I'm not really a poet. And the other woman said, well, she said, I'm not a poet. I used to edit a poetry magazine. And I said, well, I'm not a poet. The last time I wrote a poem was in eighth grade English class. And um, I was in the advanced English class. There were two sections of 30 students each. And the teacher gave 59 of us an F on the unit and Jeff Warner got a D. (laughs) I'm not a poet. And I imagine most of you aren't poets either. It's a different spirituality, I would say, a different discipline than writing prose. And we can look at that as pros and cons. <laughs> ha ha ha, I, that, was, I, that was not planned. But I find the times that I will write a poem in my journal is when I don't know what to say, when I can't find a way to express it. Somehow there's something that words can do more when you let go of more of the rules of grammar, and you know, maybe you don't need verbs, or is's and the's, and things like that. But it's a double-edged sword, and it's really interesting. I think of you as very, very open people but last week when I got together with Teresa to talk about this, and she heard that I was going to invite you to write poems, she freaked out. <laughs> I don't know if that's an overstatement. But, and so it's liberating, but that can be scary. And so for those of you who feel a little scared, we, uh, when we get to the Poetry Writing part, I have provided paper with lines, as well as paper without lines. Um, if you want it to rhyme, it can rhyme. It doesn't have to. There's the idea is we're not going to talk about the mechanics of poetry. That is beside the point here. I think sometimes poetry can give us a higher intensity. And part of the problem is that the, the only poems we're ever shown are the ones that are supposed to be, you know, perfection. And then we think that we have to write perfect poems. Well. You've lived enough, you know that a lot of prayer is about facing the fact that we're not perfect, that we offer what we have, and that's good enough. And sort of an idea of you have more control in some ways when you write a poem and you have less. And before we're done today, I will be inviting some of you to share about a poem or about the the experience and about the fact that when you share a poem with someone, you can't control how they interpret what you wrote. So of course you're objecting, I don't know how. Well, let's have an expert tell us a little bit. Marianne Moore wrote a very famous poem called Poetry. And she, it has been analyzed by many people. We'll take a quick look at it here. It's a long poem. Um, This is the version she wrote in 1924. She kept playing with it throughout her life. She said, I too dislike it. There are things that are more important beyond all this fiddle. Reading it, however, with a perfect contempt for it, one discovers in it, after all, a place for the genuine. Hands that can grasp, eyes that can dilate, hair that can rise if it must These things are important, not because a high sounding interpretation can be put upon them, but because they are useful. When they become so derivative as to become unintelligible, the same thing may be said for all of us, that we do not admire what we cannot understand. The bat holding on upside down or in a quest of something to eat, elephants pushing, a wild horse taking a roll, a tireless wolf under a tree, the immovable critic twitching his skin like a horse that feels a flea, the baseball fan, the statistician. Nor is it valid to discriminate against business documents and school books. All these phenomena are important. One must make a distinction, however, when dragged into prominence by half poets, the result is not poetry, nor till the poets among us can be literalists of the imagination above insolence and triviality and can present for inspection, imaginary gardens with real toads in them, shall we have it? In the meantime, if you demand on the one hand the raw material of poetry in all its rawness, and that which is on the other hand genuine, you are interested in poetry. People have written long, long papers on this poem. People have debated about it. For example, some of those quotations, nobody has ever found an original source. Uh, there's a, you can do a Google search, you will not find anywhere that says imaginary gardens and with real toads in them. She apparently made that up, but decided to make it sound like a quote. So do you two dislike poetry? I will be inviting all of us, including me, to sit for a while and try to write a poem. And um, I know two months ago you had um, Drawing the Mandalas, and we tried to do three real fast. This is the opposite. We're going to give you a good stretch of time, and if you, you know, at least half an hour we're going to give you. And if you're just so inspired, you want to write three poems, go right ahead. If you struggle... I just ask that you get at least four lines down on the page as a draft, as a beginning thought. It doesn't have to be complete. It doesn't have to be perfect. If you struggle, pay attention to how you feel about the struggle. Again, there is no right way or wrong way, lined paper, unlined, rhymed, unrhymed, long, short, about the interior life or something that you think is very unimportant. But I would ask you to pray. This is a prayer exercise, to about where you are or where you want to be. Because there is no right way or wrong way to write a poem. Here is Marianne Moore's version of the same poem, Poetry, 43 Years Later. I, too, dislike it. Reading it, however, with a perfect contempt for it, one discovers in it, after all, a place for the genuine. And so, the last poem I'd like to share with you it's by Mary Oliver. It's not a poem about poetry, it's a poem about praying, which is what we are doing. And if you have never written a poem or it's been a very long time, take this advice. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks and the silence in which another voice may speak. So, that is actually the end of my presentation. I told you it would be short. <laughs> um, I think that this would be a great time to just talk a little bit. What are your experiences with poetry? Do any of you write poems on a regular basis? I guess maybe there's something here about the fact that many of us have associations with poetry of it being forced upon us. We were probably forced to write more prose in our lives than poetry, but yet most of us will write, again, in our lives, prose. Uh, but and so maybe today is an invitation to enter this a little more willingly. It is still being forced at a specific time today, and we are going to ask you to share a little bit about it. Well, those of you from the Judeo-Christian tradition, you might be surprised if you open up your Bible to see how much of it is poetry and parts that you know. You're used to thinking that they're paragraphs, mm-hmm. but that's not how they were written. And, you know, the Psalms, of course, most people know that the Psalms are, are songs and poems, but they don't rhyme. They don't have that. I mean, they've been translated, and, 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 but there are many parts throughout the Bible. The oldest part of the Bible is probably the 15th chapter of Exodus, the Song of Miriam. And um, many of the high points of the Bible. All of a sudden, it's going along in prose, and all of a sudden, it breaks into this poetry thing. Other thoughts? Thank you for a wonderful discussion there. So what I have, we we put a very nice uh, neutral term here. We have have a call called activity. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. We figured if we we put poetry around, you'd all leave after getting your food. Anyway, there are tables set up in here. Um, Each table has lined paper, unlined paper, pens, and pencils. There are more out there. We ask you if you can be in here or you can go out. If you are a little self-conscious, you don't want people watching you write, there's tables in the back. Um, I'm going to put on some music. Um, And because poetry is musical, many of these selections do have words. But to make it more fun, so it doesn't distract you too much, we have music in lots of different languages. So we'll start with some Latin, and that is a prayer to the Holy Spirit, veni Creator spiritus, appropriate for this Pentecost weekend. Then we'll have some French, English, one of my favorites. It's a Mormon setting of a Shaker song. Uh, we'll have some instrumental by Debussy. We'll have some Russian, sort of a, a Russian take on the Hail Mary. Um, the Hebrew of Psalm 23, uh, a Czech folk song. It has a political message to it. Another instrumental. And then if uh, time allows, and I'll let the CD play into the break, um, some more Latin. Um, but... Uh, So once we start the music, I ask you to spread out and give this a shot. And again, I'm going to leave Mary Oliver's advice up there. Okay? It doesn't have to be the blue iris. (laughs) It can be wherever you are. And as Rumi, or the poem attributed to Rumi, come. Come as you are. Even if you've left poetry a thousand times before. And um, we'll take our break around 10.30, and when we come back, just come here, come back to these tables, and we'll talk about what we'll do after then. But do be aware, we are going to ask you uh, to share, but I don't want you to be, I don't want that to freak you out too much, but I don't want to surprise you at the end either. So, um, you know, so anyway, I'll start the music, and we'll spread out, and... I'd say for being a bunch of non-poets, he had a lot to say. So, I I don't know about your group, but our group, we probably could have sat there and talked for another 20, 30 minutes. Um, One of our people wrote three poems, and I said, sorry, we only have time for one. (laughs) Um, So, how about backing up to the beginning um, of today? What was it like knowing that you were going to be asked to write a poem? How did that feel? So how was it to write a poem, especially to be told, you have half an hour, be inspired right now? (laughs) I think in our group, I I think um, everyone was impressed with how impressed everybody else was with our poems. <laughs> that we all thought that we had just put something down, and everybody really, we were all inspired. And, you know, we, we thought we could, you know, I don't think anybody would like it, but we, uh, or, you know, we could make a journal of today's poems or something. But, um, and I think that th- there was something really pretty neat in that about, you know, us not uh, selling ourselves short. Well, I guess I'd like to go back to the first slide. Writing poetry. A spiritual discipline. How many of the things that we've said about this experience are things that don't just apply to writing poetry, but our relationship in prayer, opening ourselves up to God, to the divine? About holding our heart out in our hands. About giving what we have and not being able to control what's done with it. About, I can't remember the exact word to use, but you know, opening myself up to the process. I'm going to do this. I'm told to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to sit down right now, whether I'm inspired or not, and I'm going to write a poem. Submitting to the process, that's it. And how much of that is what prayer is about in general? I mean, I talk with so many students who, you know, if, if it's not, if their prayer experience isn't technicolor, mm-hmm. um, then they think they're doing it wrong, and so they're going to wait days or weeks or months until they're inspired. And, uh, you know, I, I have not written all that many poems. But I can remember, right now, some of the poems I wrote—not not the words, but the experience—the experience that caused me to write a poem, and uh, tapping into that. Um, you know, I—I've I, I've thought about that this morning. Uh, I thought about it th- this week, preparing—you know—writing uh, one the day that Timothy McVeigh was executed. Um, A time I was on vacation in Christiansted, St. Croix. Going on my first retreat after my mother died. I mean, it's different than remembering that I wrote a journal entry (laughs) that day. There's something deeper about it. Um, But, again, I hope today, was an invitation. An invitation not to be scared of poetry, not to think you're inadequate, (coughs) to add this to your toolbox of ways to be vulnerable, to plumb that emotional core, even if you don't know it's there until you start. Um, And I just wanna thank you for being so open to this process.